Hello everyone, welcome to the International Business Podcast. If you work across time zones, borders and cultures, this is the show for you. I'm Leonardo, founder and host of the show, but let's make it simple and just call me Leo. I'm based in Shanghai and I'm accompanied by two co-hosts, Stefano, based in Paris, and Audrey from San Francisco. Coming up on today's episode... I've never seen so many uh, counter offers, so many candidates staying at the current client, and that's what a counter offer is. Now, basically, what's happening, specifically in the United States, but really everywhere in the world, there is a surplus of jobs. So we have a humongous demand for talent, and so people can make a lot of choices. I've been in the United States for 20 years and I still find myself very European. My approach, um, the way I think. Meet Ivana, Director of International Recruitment. As of today, she has conducted plenty of national and international searches for a broad spectrum of US-based and multinational companies, placing from mid to C-level executives in a variety of industries. You can find more information about Ivana in the show notes. Now, enjoy this episode led by co-host Audrey. Hi, Ivana. I'm glad to have you on. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Audrey. So we'll get started with a simple question. Why would you define yourself as an international professional? Well, I mean, first of all, because I'm blessed that I've had the chance to study different languages, live in different countries when I was younger and uh, and now, and uh, have different experiences that um, started really when I was eight years old and I moved to Luxembourg City with with my family. That was a very important moment for me, uh, for for my future actually. But um, today I live in the United States. I've been here for a long time actually and I moved from Italy and I uh, basically developed my career here in the United States. Uh, I moved right after college and now I I've been living and working in uh, mainly Florida. That's where I reside today. So Ivana, what are the main challenges that foreign companies face when hiring American-based candidates? So there are many challenges, but I think the most common is the fact that we, although we live in this world that is very connected and we're always connected and we know what's going on in the world, we still have um, different cultures. And so we're different people. We were raised differently and we um, we have our own cultural personalities and, and way of thinking. So one of the common mistakes that foreign company make when they hire, and I'm going to be specific in the United States, because that's uh, where I live, and that's my specialty. Um, it's they don't understand the culture of the country where they're looking to hire the people, and they are trying to impose their culture on the their local um, subsidiaries. So typically, I work with European company uh, that they have subsidiaries in the United States. So they may have sales offices, they may have retail offices, they may have a plant. And so when they hire, they hire locally. Um, and so basically the number one mistake it 
it's the the lack of understanding of the American culture, American recruiting processes, um, what Americans are looking for in an interview process, what they want when they join a company, uh, how much they make, uh, what are the expectations. And so I think that's that's number one. Sometimes it's also the the lack of um, willingness to adapt. So if I am a very successful company in Europe and I've been working uh, and selling my product for the past 100 years and now I'm coming to the United States, I sometimes I may be a little arrogant that I want to bring my culture into a new country and that creates some clashes. So those are those are the main um, challenges but it goes back to cultural differences. Can you please define the role of an international headhunter? Well, I mean, one sentence is tough because we do so many things as a headhunter, but um, summarizing it, uh, a headhunter is a matchmaker, right? So an international headhunter is a multi multicultural uh, matchmaker who has the 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 chance to work internationally to, to deal with a lot of different people in different countries different cultures uh and also a lot of different stage you know in a in in a company like uh, i work with companies that are um startups i work with companies that are large uh, fortune 500 companies but it's really a multicultural matchmaker so let's focus on headhunting executives. What patterns have you seen during the pandemic? And are there any major differences compared to pre-COVID? Yes, um, a lot of things have changed um, for the good or the worse. We don't know yet. But um, and I, I'm going to focus on the United States because that's where um, I work and that's where my expertise lays. Right. So here in the united states the number one change during and after the the main um you know peak the the pandemic let's say is the fact that people have uh, had the chance to work from home for example so they experience a lot of flexibility and now they're looking for that flexibility they don't want to go back to a uh, way of doing business as it was before. And I'm talking strictly about working from home. That's the most common thing that candidates are looking for today, either executive, but also mid-management, for example. Um, companies have realized that they still were able to function when people worked from home. Um, and now if you are a progressive company, you will, um, you understand and you will give the opportunity to people to be flexible. And when I say flexible, it's not only about working from home, but it's also about, um, not having street, not, not putting people in boxes. Like you have to be a worker eight or like, uh, you know, you can be a worker 10 if you do your job and you finish late or, you know. People have realized that um, they need to, I think, make the best out of their work relationship uh, with their company, with their peers, with their bosses. And so in the United States right now, we have absolutely no issues in finding a job and changing jobs. 
So, um, the and I don't know how this happened, but uh, during the pandemic, a lot of companies lost employers, or a lot of people did not leave because they didn't want to risk and going to work for another company during you know the lockdown, the pandemic, etc. Even if if company were hiring because we were busy even in 2020. Now, basically, what's happening specifically in the United States, but really everywhere in the world, there is a surplus of jobs. So we have a humongous demand for talent. And so people can make a lot of choices uh, once maybe before it was a little bit less. So when you when you have the chance to make choice and choose who you want to work for, then you're more demanding. So you ask for higher salaries. There is a huge increase in salaries in the United States. You have a lot of choices. So you can negotiate in your advantage a lot more. So big corporations have have seen this change and I believe they have to adapt. Given your role and your expertise, what type of advice would you give to a candidate that joins a foreign organization? Well, I mean, the first is to be open-minded. Either you're joining a foreign organization in your own country, or maybe you transfer somewhere else. You have to you have to be open-minded, especially if you have a boss that is from another country, and vice versa. You know, you you need to if you really want to succeed. I think, right? You have to take a little bit of time to research. The company, where they're from, and, and what is the history of that company, or and the country as well. Like, read a book about what it means to be Italian. What are the, what does it mean like German culture? Because there are a lot of cliches out there, and some of them are based on truth and and facts. But I think it's fascinating when you really research and and do your job about trying to understand why a certain person talks in a certain way or reacts in a certain way or and it all it's all cultural it, it really goes comes down to where you were born how you were raised and who are the people around you um i've been in the united states for 20 years and i still find myself very european my approach um the way i think maybe maybe my work style be- has become very Americanized, that, yes, because I've been working here for a long time, but, and I am still adapting, and I'm still adapting to a a culture that is different, even in America. I mean, in America, there's 50 states, not every, not, they're not all the same, even Americans are different. So, so I think that number one is be open-minded, be patient, and be intellectually curious about the country and the people, you know, where, and not just the country, but who are your peers? Who is your, where is your boss from? Is Australian? What do you know about Australia? Go and research a little bit. I love history. I'm, I'm a history fan. And I read books. I read biography of King and Queens. And, and I also read a lot of cultural books about what it means to be uh, I don't know, a professional in, in Japan. It's fascinating how we want the same things in business, but the way we try to achieve them is very different. And it can be very frustrating if 
you don't have that open-mindedness and accept the other. And also, you need to be humble. You, you can't think my culture is better than yours. I don't care if you are from South Africa or Italy or, I don't know, India. No culture is better than another culture. And I think this is something that I, I learned and I would suggest. This episode is sponsored by International Expansion Explained. Are you looking to expand internationally, but you're not sure where to start? Or you export already, but would like to venture further overseas? Reach out to arrange an international clarity session and learn more about growth plans at katherinereed.com. That is K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-R-E-A-D.com. Moving on. When is it appropriate to talk about salary during an interview? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, I talk about salary from the first call. This is me. Uh, why? Because, and, and again, I, I want to make sure that I, you understand that I, I live in the United States. So my process is, is a pretty American process with an Italian twist because I'm Italian and being Italian and European, I'm very direct in my approach, a lot more than an American. But I, I talk salary from the first conversation. Why? Because let's face reality. We work because we need to pay our bills and and we have ambitions and nobody is going to ever talk to a recruiter and accept a position that pays less of what they're making and if they do for me it's a huge red flag right so if you are working and i'm contacting you i'm a headhunter so chances are i I contacted you. I say, Hey, Audrey, I have this position. I think you may be a good candidate. Can we, can we chat about this? I'll send you the job description. Let's have a conversation from the first conversation. After I describe the position and I ask you a couple of key questions, I always ask, what is your salary expectation? If we move forward in the process, because I do not want to waste your time. If I know that what the top that this position pays is less than what you're currently making. And people are very open. Sometimes they tell you exactly what they make. I say, Donna, I'm going to tell you what I make. Um, and then I'm honest at that point. I'm like, listen, we can negotiate because I know my client. Or if they're really above what I can negotiate for my, for my candidate, I tell them. I say, listen, I, I love you, but this is the top that, that this pay. Maybe, maybe this is not the right position for you. Um, so for me, I've seen interview process going on forever, getting to the last interview, making an offer and the candidate refused the offer because it's actually less than what the candidate is making at that moment. And why? I mean, you know, it's a waste of time for the company. It's a waste of time for the candidate. It's a waste of resources. So personally, I, I talk about money from the first call. So are counter offers becoming the new retention tool? Oh boy, yes. I wrote a little article about that on my blog. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Um, and this is something that has never happened in my career. I've been a recruiter for 17 years, actually 18 years this year. 
I've never seen so many uh, counter offers, so many candidates staying at the current client, and that's what a counter offer is. Oh, a counter offer can also be uh, that you are involved in a couple of interview process, and it happens that you get two offers almost at the same time, and you're going back and forth with the two companies that want to hire to try to get the best deal for you. But to answer your question, it is an error. Uh, I don't think that. It's right to to work in a way that I am getting a promotion or I'm getting a pay raise just because I present my boss with an offer from another company. I always say that it's important to do two things. Number one, know the market. Know what your competitors are paying. Know what the state where you live in pays for that particular position, for example, in your industry. Because you can't say, you know, a, I don't know, a director of finance makes X always. No, it depends like how big is the company, uh, where, I mean, in which industry the company um, operates, how many years of experience the candidate has, and, and several things. But there's always a benchmark. You, you have to do benchmarking. There's always a range that you should use as a company. So when you underpay your employees, especially in a market like today, where there's a ton of opportunities out there, you, you will lose some candidates. Some candidates will get an offer. They're going to be headhunters like me, calling them, talking to them, persuading them for a change. <laughs> and so what do you do in order to avoid that if the person that you you have on board is, is, is worth, right, retaining? Work the retention before. Work with your HR department. Put benchmarking places. Know what the market pays, but also talk to your employees on a regular basis. One of the big mistakes that companies make is that they really don't have honest conversation with their employees. They, they really don't say, hey, um, you've been working with us for three, four years. Um, how is everything with you? Are, are you happy here? What are some changes that you want to um, to change? What are your ambitions? Because sometimes if as a company, you know your employees and you know what they like, you know what they dislike, you know what makes them happy and you know where they want to be. There are times where you can retain your employee because you should before they even start looking. And there are times that you need to let them go because you realize that they have reached their potential and so you have nothing else to offer and actually have to be happy that they're leaving because it means that you were instrumental in their development. So so you, I mean, I, I lost people that when, you know, I was a manager now, Thank God I'm not anymore <laughs> um, for better opportunities or, or because they wanted my position. And obviously I wasn't leaving, but you need to, to rejoice when this happened, but not try to give like, you know, I don't know, ten, twenty thousand $20,000 more to, to the employees just because they went somewhere else and some other company feels that they are worth more than what you basically uh, have made them feel a couple of years. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. So Ivana, I've got one final question that we ask everyone who comes on the show. 
Can you tell us about one memorable moment from your international career? The most successful, the funniest, the most catastrophic, your pick. Well, definitely the funniest was uh, when I was interviewing a candidate um, on FaceTime and he was sitting on top of the toilet in a stool on a, I guess, the company where he was working at. I mean, that was <laughs> I mean, the funniest thing ever happened in my life. Obviously, I never, ever wanted to represent this person. But um, one of the lessons that I learned um, when I just came to the United States, I, I just graduated from uh, with a bachelor's degree in, in Italy, because I'm Italian. And I was, so I have a bachelor's degree in political science. I don't know what to do. I'm new to the country. I've never worked a day in my life, really. And um, I speak four languages. So I say, hey, I'm going to go into tourism. And so I printed a bunch of resumes and I went to the Miami International Airport. And I walk counter, ticket counter by ticket counter to all the airlines, introducing myself and dropping off my resume. That was a little while ago. and. Um, so I interviewed with this company and it was Cayman Airlines. So tiny little airline. Uh, and I interviewed with the CEO of the company. Here I am, like, you know, 25-year-old Ivana that she's like, okay, super excited interviewing with this American guy in America. And he tells me, I'm not going to give you the job because there's nothing I can offer you. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I need to work, <laughs> you know? Nobody's interviewing me. You're the only one. And and you like me, but why don't you want to give me the job? And he, yeah. and he told yeah. And I, I, I was like kind of sad, right? And he says, no, you don't belong with, with me. You belong with American Airlines, Delta Airlines. You need, to, you, need to be, you need to work for the bigger company because you're an ambitious person. And here, there's nothing I can give you. After a year, you'll be bored. So I left the interview. That was a big lesson. I, I left the interviews and I'm still sad because I didn't get understand, right? Like, whatever. So I am keep on going, you know. <laughs> and um, I went to the Delta ticket counter and I spoke to, I remember, a, a guy from Morocco. And so I realized it was from Morocco and I speak fluent French. So we start speaking French. It, the, the week after, I got an interview with his manager and I got the job. So I work at Delta Airlines for couple of years two three years and then after that right after that experience I started working with Carnival Cruise Lines um, and that's when I started kind of like doing the recruiting so that was a lesson learned for me because if that guy would have not guided me and he was a stranger I didn't know him guided me and understood me and say you know, this girl can do a lot better than working for my company. I would have probably been stuck in that job, didn't like it. Maybe I would have not enjoyed working for the airline industry. And I perhaps didn't have the chance to work for Delta Airlines and then work for Carnival Cruise Lines. So that's that's one thing that comes to my mind about my international experience. Before we go... Tell us a bit more about your current role and who should connect with you. So now I'm working with um, actually an international recruiting firm based in Atlanta called the Air USA. 
and I am the Director of International Recruitment, specifically for the Italian desk. So basically, all of my clients are Italian companies that have subsidiaries in the U.S. Um, so who should connect with me? Or basically, any owner of an Italian company or CEO or VP of HR manager in Italy, in the U.S., because I work very closely also with, with you know, uh, managers in Italy that is hiring specifically in the United States and in Canada, because we take care sometimes Mexico too. So North America, um, my typical client is a family owned, uh, could be a family owned business, um, maybe manufacturing, could be a large corporation that makes, I don't know, tiles. Uh, but the majority of our clients are, um, they're all European companies. Um, but that specifically either have already subsidiaries here or they're opening an office in the United States. I want to thank you for your insights and for joining us on the International Business Podcast. Thank you, Audrey. It was a pleasure. You can find the podcast on all the major platforms. Make sure to subscribe. Do not miss the weekly episodes. And are you an international professional? Connect with us on LinkedIn to come on the show. For now, cheers.